Hello again, Arnie, Marjorie, and Jacob. I want to play a game. You've reviewed all the films in the Saw series, but your tests continue with a new chapter. We need to talk, we need to think. See what I see, hear what I hear. But be warned, this challenge is not without risk and will be filled with harsh language and detailed spoilers. Live or die, make your choice. Today, we're discussing Jigsaw, starring Matt Passmore, Callum Keith Rennie, Clay Bennett, Hannah Emily Anderson, directed by the Spearig Brothers. This is the now playing co-host who gets off on the sick shit, Arnie. This is a co-host that spends a lot of time on the dark web. This is Marjorie. Oh, I got issues with how they treat the dark web in this movie. We'll get there. Oh, it's totally wrong. Oh, I know. It made me very upset. But this is the host that is worth $3.53, Jacob. If it's Halloween, it must be Saw. Really? Do you only celebrate Halloween every seven years? Yeah, it's like leap year, right? (laughs) But that used to be the tagline. And happy, happy Halloween, 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 happy, happy Halloween, here is Jigsaw. (laughs) Yeah, that was the slogan. If it's Halloween, it must be Saw. And... We kind of put an end to that. We started our retrospective with Saw 6 and then jumped on the latest horror fad with Saw 3D, but nothing made me feel really old this week other than realizing we reviewed Saw seven years ago in 2010. Actually, we did the retrospective eight years ago in 2009, did one pickup for Saw 3D, and we haven't cut into it since. Yeah, that shocked me that it was seven years ago. I looked that up because it doesn't feel that long ago, but seven years. You know, I'm the newbie here. I didn't really revisit this series. I'm like, I figured this has got to be a reboot. Seven years in pop culture time. This is a new generation coming to this franchise. So I figured, oh, it's probably going to be made for newbies. So I'm not going to remind myself of all that old stuff. I'm just going to go in and, you know, of course, I remember some of what happened, but... I figure there's no way that they're going to make this like another television episode like the previous six films that are so tight with their continuity. (laughs) I was wrong. I was wrong. Seven. Oh, seven films. Okay. I'm sorry. That continuity is worthy of all my children or days of our lives. I keep waiting for Stefano to come out and like surprise us all that he was really Jigsaw. I think he did this movie. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Having been so long, I know I've seen a couple of the Saw films in the past seven years around Halloween when things come on TV, I'll turn them on. But I hadn't sat down and watched a Saw film since our retrospective. So I did. I did a deep dive. I expected tight continuity like we'd had to untangle from the previous film. So I rewatched the seven Saw films in very close order. I think if the TV was on, it must be Saw was the rule in this house for about a week. And then re-listened to our podcast. I felt prepared to go into this and be able to be like, okay, Carrie always, Costas Mandalore, (laughs) Amanda, Shawnee Smith, whoever they pull, 
out of the woodworks because the trailers for this focused on a bunch of unknowns and Billy the Puppet. Well, that's because it stars a bunch of unknowns. <laughs> I mean, look, I was watching this. I'm like, wow, you know, I made the TV reference. This felt like a television episode and it stars a bunch of television people. I went on to IMDb and it's all TV people. It is. There's a lot of people here I hadn't seen at all. There's a, another couple people here Detective Halloran will talk about Callum Keith Rennie. We've talked about him in Memento and Blade Trinity. I saw he was in those. I don't remember him. And we do have Mandela Van Peebles here, who perhaps is most famous for being... <laughs> Mario's son, right? Mario's son. Yeah, I saw Van Peebles. I'm like, oh, Mario's kid's got a job. Well, that's good. But I didn't know who the Jigsaw Killer was. That was the big secret for this one they were selling it more like a mystery movie than a torture porn film we went to new york comic-con marjorie and i did and saul was everywhere there they had a virtual reality experience which i tried to get in the line for but it was like we want to play a game you must stand out in the rain for six hours to experience saw I'm like, nope <laughs> nope not gonna do that you know i know our opening you didn't mention his name but tobin bell was he in any of the promo stuff because i watched one trailer i don't remember him getting mentioned and i know he died he, he had cancer he died in one of those episodes we saw i know they did flashbacks and all that he died in part three and i know they always flash back to him in the other movies but i don't remember seeing him promoting this or seeing his name associated with this and that was another reason i figured they're going with a reboot I don't think he was anywhere. It was kept a secret. I think we we're supposed to believe all along Tobin Bell was not in this movie and it was either a reboot or perhaps redoing of the original one in a new way. They spoiled one thing for me because two days before this movie came out, the Saw Twitter channel started really pimping a Tobin Bell Q&A. And I'm like, oh, I guess he's in it. Or he's just the star of the movie, so <laughs> why wouldn't you use him to promote it? Yeah, but I figured that he wouldn't do it if he wasn't in the new movie, because that's what they're going to ask about is the new movie. And I knew it wasn't a reboot, because the, even though the, the title is Jigsaw and not Saw 8, the trailers did all say, but John Kramer died 10 years ago. So I knew they were going to pick up on something and you know what made me really think it might be a reboot was the one poster i saw it i guess it was tobin bell it was someone in the billy the puppet makeup we talked about it in previous episodes there is a branding problem with jigsaw killer he's got the jigsaw pieces he's cutting out he's got a pig mask he's got a puppet it's too many things i'm like oh maybe they're condensing down and like it's gonna be someone dressing up as billy the puppet but nope that was just a fake out as well it was a creepy poster though it was yeah i'll agree to that but when we last reviewed Saw, it was Saw 3D, because most people don't have 3D in their homes, either back then or now, it's kind of out of vogue, they renamed it Saw the Final Chapter for home video, and now we realize... That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Saw the Next Generation, I suppose? But we had a new creative team coming in here, the Spirig Brothers. Have either of you heard of them or seen their previous films? The one that I think has made them a name in the States, and I saw this a long time ago, about the time we've reviewed the last Saw film, actually, Daybreakers. Yeah, I haven't seen any of their stuff. I did see a trailer for that Winchester Mansion movie that's coming out, and I guess they're doing that. If you ever have a chance to go there in San Jose, it's really cool, and I'm surprised it took this long to make a horror movie out of it, but it looks like they're trying their hand at American horror films now. 
Yeah, I really did like the Winchester House. I don't know how I feel about that movie yet, but I have been to the Winchester House, and it's pretty freaking awesome. So is Daybreakers that one where Ethan Hawke goes to Alaska? That's 30 Days a Night, I think you're thinking of. No, that wasn't even Ethan Hawke. That was Josh Hartnett. Same thing. (laughs) One's still working, and one's Josh Hartnett. I also get it confused with 30 Days of Night. They did come out around the same time, and I don't remember a whole lot about Daybreakers. It had a lot of buzz at the time, and I watched it, and I couldn't tell you anything about it. I've been too busy deep diving into Hellraiser to re-watch that or see their 2014 film Predestination, but I did some reading up on how this film came about. It has new screenwriters on this, too. Peter Goldfinger, and Josh Stolberg. And perhaps I should have looked up these writers beforehand to set my expectations. They either done nothing or they done some bad stuff. <laughs> Which is it? Well, perhaps just not stuff I would expect. They are pretty much a writing team. They've worked together on most of their stuff. But here's some of the stuff that Josh Stolberg has done. The first film of his I saw was Good Luck Chuck. Oh, that's a... Dane Cook, isn't it? Yes. Yes, Dane Cook and Jessica Alba. Yes. It's kind of bland, isn't it? Yeah, it's really bad. He then wrote the horror flick Sorority Row that had rumor Willis, Carrie Fisher. Never seen it. Oh, I remember that. It was a slasher flick. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it was bad. Then he wrote Piranha 3D. That was one of the (laughs) most awesome movies ever. But it's not exactly pure horror. It's really a lot of comedy. It's schlocky. That was 3DD for the 3D version, right? No, 3DD was the sequel. Oh, okay. (laughs) But let me tell you, the Piranha movie did 3D right. It was schlocky like it should be. Then I haven't seen anything he's done since Piranha 3D, but before Jigsaw, his last wiki credit is for the Hungover Games. No, that sounds like one of those scary movie or epic movie. It sounds like one of those. It is exactly that. You don't need a writer for those movies. (laughs) (laughs) It has Jamie Kennedy in it. I think that's all I need to know. Oh, okay. Yeah, you've been (laughs) X'd. I believe I called him a poor man Seth Green once. And I think you were right. (laughs) That works. (laughs) So... That is the people who got this off the ground. The producers who have overseen all of these films, Mark Berg and Oren Kuhls, they knew they wanted to go back to Saw someday, but they wanted to give it a rest. They felt people might have been burned out seven movies in seven years, and they waited for a good pitch. And apparently, Mr. Goodluck Chuck had one (laughs) because he pitched them on this idea that we're going to discuss today. And they got the Spearig brothers to direct and spent $10 million on this twisted picture. Yeah, I will say this. One thing that surprised me that I read is the previous seven films, they've made almost a billion dollars. And yeah, this had a $10 million budget. These films do not cost a lot. So very profitable to make when they do come out. Yeah, it's a question of how profitable is profitable enough is really whether we're looking at Jigsaw 2 or... Saw 9 or whatever, probably in two years. Or how many bullshit reasons can they come up with to bring Tobin Bell back? I can't imagine they have any reasons after this one. Well, maybe he has another sleeper agent. I mean, there could be more. Apparently, he was keeping like a whole cadre of 
you know, people in case he died to carry on his tradition. And I kind of remember he did set that up in the other films. There was the one chick that I think fell in like in the needles. That was a real creepy scene. Shawnee Smith. Yeah, she was working for him. And I, I think that's always been part of the lore is that he recruits people. Ever since part two. Yeah. So we'll definitely be talking about that some more here. Now, how did you see this film? It didn't come out in 3D. That fad has gone since the last Saw film. But strangely... It was in IMAX here. Yeah, that blows my mind that it came out in IMAX. I saw this on a normal screen because why do you need to see Saw on an IMAX? Yeah, we saw it IMAX opening night. I was thinking, hey, it's Halloween weekend. (laughs) It's Saw. I reserved my tickets way early. No one was there, right? (laughs) 13 people in a theater that seats 250. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I had the packed theater. I mean, there was probably like 40 people there. But this is LA. Yeah, actually, I'm wrong. Marjorie just reminded me, three people walked in in the middle of the movie. So we had 16. (laughs) But I only think only 13 paid. I think those other three might have snuck in. But then I went back today, Sunday, the day we're recording this, to see it again. I was going to save a little bit of money and see it just on the regular screen. But the IMAX screening is what fit my schedule. And I was one of five. Wow, that's not good. It made $16 million over the weekend, which means it made its budget back. Yeah, with budget and advertising, it's made that back. Not advertising. They probably spent 10 Usually, you can almost double a movie's budget when you look at advertising. Oh, okay. And it was projected to open at 20 It's opening at 16 domestic, 24 global. Well, it is no a Medea Halloween, too. No, it is not. However, both are Lionsgate's films, so <laughs> Lionsgate if you add them both together, has a big hit. (laughs) Oh my god. Next year, Jigsaw versus Medea. Hey, I've been waiting for a new Freddy versus Jason or AVP. Why not Medea versus Jigsaw? Oh my god. Tyler Perry saw a Medea torture porn. (laughs) But the real question is going to be, how does this do second week? How does this do on video? Because Halloween will be over, I wouldn't be shocked if it had a 60-70% drop next week, especially with Thor as competition. Yeah, those tickets I have already bought. I did pre-order my Thor tickets, because I expect that to be sold out, unlike this. So tell us what you and 16 other people saw, Arnie. Give us a plot summary. (laughs) Yeah, it's really weird listening to our old shows that we did back before Jacob upgraded his microphone and back before we did plot summaries. It's been 10 years since the end of the Jigsaw murder seen in the first seven films, and it seems that nameless city has cleaned itself up (laughs) as it's far less grimy than before. I think they elected Giuliani. They went to Canada. I'm sure all the other ones were in Canada, too, though. I don't think the first one was, but all of the rest have been in Toronto. But this one looks like Toronto and not grimy Toronto. Well, they got rid of that mayor who bought crack died, so I guess it's cleaned (laughs) up the city. But Jigsaw's shadow returns when a police informant, Edgar Munson, leads police on a chase across town where he's told he has to pull a trigger and start a game. Or Edgar will die. He pulls the trigger but is shot by police for his troubles and goes into a medically induced coma. But we're led to believe that trigger started a timer where we see five people with buckets over their heads in one of Jigsaw's traps. They start to get pulled towards whirling buzzsaws and one over sleeps. Really, I mean, he just is passed out, so he's pulled into the blades, but the other four survive to face more traps, and they are Carly, played by Brittany Allen, a purse thief whose criminal activities caused an asthmatic to die because her inhaler had been in her purse. 
Yeah, I thought she was overweight, and that's why she passed on. That's really insensitive, but then they did show the <laughs> inhaler. I, hey, they didn't show that inhaler until after she passed out, and she was a heavy woman. You can't blame me for that. You know, asthma plus overweight is not a good combination. I thought it was really poor taste. <laughs> Mitch, played by Mandela Van Peebles, a man who sold a motorcycle to Jigsaw's nephew, but the motorcycle had faulty brakes and the nephew died hit by a truck. Anna, played by Laura Vandervoot, a woman who was Jigsaw, or John Kramer's, neighbor. In a fit of rage, she suffocated her crying baby, and then staged it so it looked like an accident caused by her husband. Finally, we have Ryan, who in high school caused a car crash that killed three people, but he never took responsibility for it. They go through their trials, we'll talk about it. First Carly dies, then Mitch. Meanwhile, the police are investigating if Jigsaw had come back to life. As we see people killed, their bodies are put out in public, and it's determined the tapes have the voice of John Kramer, again played by Tobin Bell. And Kramer's blood was under the fingernails of one victim. But how could he be alive? We saw him autopsied! Looking into this is crooked Detective Halloran, played by Cullum Keith Rennie, and his partner Keith Hunt, played by Clay Bennett. They are working with medical examiner Logan Nelson, played by Matt Passmore. Hunt and Nelson serve together in Fallujah. And Nelson has an assistant, Eleanor Bonneville, played by Hannah Emily Anderson, a tattooed girl who's secretly obsessed with Jigsaw, even recreating many of his traps in her studio. Halloran starts to suspect the two M.E.s of being the new Jigsaw, so they trail them. When they find Emily's Museum of Jigsaw Traps, they go to arrest the two M.E.s, but twist number one! <laughs> Hunt is internal affairs investigating Halloran, who's been taking bribes, planning evidence, beating suspects, basically everything a cop can do wrong. And Logan Nelson convinces Hunt that Halloran is Jigsaw. Hunt even finds the Jigsaw-shaped pieces of skin in Halloran's lab. But Emily has found a rare pig disease on the victims and traced it to a pig farm owned by John Kramer's wife's family. So Emily convinces Nelson to go there with her since they can't trust the cops. There, they're attacked by Halloran, but twist number two! <laughs> Nelson is the new Jigsaw. He set all these traps just to get Halloran, who he blames for the death of his wife, as he believes Munson murdered his wife. I want to call these alleged twists, because <laughs> they did not trick me. Twist number three! <laughs> all those tests we see with Anna and Mitch in them... Those took place 10 years ago, including all the flashbacks with John Kramer. And there were no survivors, except Nelson. Nelson was the dunce who didn't wake up in time for the buzzsaw trap, and his crime was that he mislabeled John Kramer's x-rays, which, if labeled right, could have perhaps eased John's course of treatment for his brain cancer. But John took last-minute pity on Nelson and saved him from the blades. And Nelson became Jigsaw's apprentice before even Amanda, who's never mentioned in this movie. <laughs> Someone please put these all in chronological order. Throw that up on YouTube. I want to see if it works. I said that, remember? I said that there needs to be a fan edit that shows things in the order in which they're happening because there's so many flashbacks, flash forwards, and everything. The timeline itself is crazy to try to go read. I will actually do that. I can't post it on YouTube because <laughs> it's piracy, but I will actually do that if we have to review a Saw 9. Because that's how I wish I'd watched it this time, is one long marathoned movie in chronological order to see how that goes. 
The movie ends with Halloran's head split open by lasers. Frickin' lasers. <laughs> and Nelson closing the barn door on him, his alibi secure, as credits roll. I'll give Mr. Good Luck Chuck this. He studied the formula of Saw movies to a point. Every Saw movie starts with a trap. It then has an A story of people in traps and a B story of some cops trying to investigate. And you know what? I had forgotten about that formula. My memory was it was a bunch of people in dirty warehouses having to go through traps. I do remember Danny Glover. He was doing some detective work and had that funny driving scene from the first one. But I thought most of the Saw movies were just the traps. And as this movie progressed, I'm like, oh, yeah, they always did have to have the detective story going on, which just isn't as fun. And yet it's where the drama is. It's the soap opera aspect. The episodic traps are the stuff you could watch movie to movie, and it's the police stuff that always had the Costas Mandalore twists that were like the comic books that keep you coming back for more. I think you made me come back for more, because I would have never watched them. <laughs> Your first retrospective series. <laughs> I know, on our 10-year anniversary, coming back to the first. Sorry, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> but we start here with a trap that Saw this movie twice, I don't quite understand. We have Edgar Munson outdoors in a car chase. I mean, this is the first time the traps have ever become Grand Theft Auto-like. <laughs> you must get to the city block and do something. Yeah, and again, I'm thinking early on because of this, oh, okay, they're updating how they're going to do these Saw stories. It's not going to just be in a dirty warehouse somewhere. Yeah, you get Munson running with that remote control. I do crack up, though, when Halloran's like telling all the cops, focus, shoot the remote out of his hand. Don't shoot him. I'm like, come on, that's not how it works. That's very hard to hit a target like that. <laughs> and how many cops are you going to have shooting at the hand? But Well, yeah. that's why his hand gets blown off when they do shoot. <laughs> yeah, that just felt so out of place for me in the Saw franchise. Because we've never seen anything like it, which, okay, so maybe they're trying something new. And and I'm okay with that. I want to say that. I'm okay yeah. with trying something new in these. But this guy doesn't have any shotgun collar on. There's no steampunk torture device on him. But he's like, I have to pull the trigger or I'm going to die. Yeah, well, I thought what Jigsaw's plan was, yeah, the cops would shoot him. That for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe he had to break into somewhere to get that remote. Maybe we'll be told at some point in this movie. We never are. But I figured it was either pull the trigger or the cops are going to shoot you or something like that. But it would be, honestly, a much more fun movie if you had something like Die Hard with a Vengeance in Saw, where the person has to do these traps and things while running through traffic and running from cops and things like that. The cops eventually figure out what's going on. So that just becomes a whole different movie, though, because I believe you're talking about maybe the movie Speed or Speed 2. Well, yeah, Die Hard ripoffs. Yes. <laughs> and look, after a seven-year break, it's time to change up that formula. They're not going to do that, though. As soon as he pulls, I guess he's able to pull the trigger, or they'll say at one point it didn't matter if he pulled the trigger, that that clock and that dirty warehouse where we'll end up is going to start no matter what. Nothing matters in this movie because- Oh, I know. I don't even know why we're going to talk about these five people in the warehouse because they don't matter. The key is we're led to believe through editing that he pulled that trigger and it started a countdown clock. And it probably did. But it's a countdown clock we'll never see because we are led to think 
that what happened 10 years ago is happening now. Yeah. Arnie, you just wait until Jigsaw 4 when we go back to this <laughs> timeline when the trigger gets pulled when he gets shot and we'll see that clock. We're going to see five people in a warehouse. What's really happening is three people are going through the Jigsaw test, but we don't know that and we're never going to see them. This is an update for the new decade, Jacob. They're in a barn, not in a... <laughs> <laughs> True. It looks like a warehouse. I, I, I will say this, though. What year does this put us in? Because I remember with Jigsaw 3, 3D were like, man, they don't even have iPhones, but that's because they had to stick to their continuity so tightly. And, you know, it's only months or a few years after that original one. But this one, I guess it's years later. Maybe it's almost caught up. It's 10 years after his death in part three. But keep in mind, they all happened, especially three, four and five, like on the same day. I really need someone to do a timeline. <laughs> there's timelines out there, Jacob. There are. And there's like handy dandy lists of characters that have appeared in multiple Saw. So you can kind of go back like, oh yeah, I remember this person was in there. Because a lot of times they don't become important until like later on. Again, it's all very days of our lives. But this is apparently Jigsaw's first test ever. Now I thought his first test was with the guy who killed the unborn baby Gideon. Remember that? No. I do remember that there was people they found dead, that it wasn't always a group thing. Sometimes it would just be one person. No, he did an experiment in his workshop with the guy who opened the door onto his wife's belly and killed their baby, which he Oh, okay. I remember someone attacked his wife. Yeah. Yeah. And this one had the knives where the guy had to scar his face in order to free his hands from getting crushed. And as I recall, he just killed him anyway with that trap. No, he got out of the trap and then accidentally fell into some razor wire. Ah, okay. But when I'm doing my chronological edit, I wouldn't know whether or not this comes after because they claim this is Jigsaw's first set of traps. And if he, this is his first set of traps. These are very advanced. And he's picking some really random people. Purse snatcher off the street. Old neighbor. <laughs> guy who killed my nephew. Now, the nephew thing threw me, because once he starts talking about his nephew, I'm like, did we know John had brothers or sisters? And then I'm like, twin brother! This is all about a twin <laughs> brother, the father of the nephew. Yeah, I went there, too, because of that. <laughs> Maybe it's an extended family cousin who's picked up the jigsawing. I felt that was just a little bit too hammy right there with making his nephew when he bought the bike. Or his neighbor. I mean, I just crack up that he's sitting there, he's drawing a picture of a tricycle and listening to his neighbor murder her child. <laughs> like, you know what? Be proactive. You got to make a whole trap now. It seems like you're going to save yourself a lot of time, a lot of work. Go over there and stop the child murder. Just pick up the phone. Yeah. <laughs> Call the cops right there. I mean, come on. I think that seems like worthy of a trap itself. You were apathetic and did nothing yes. when you could have saved a life. <laughs> now will you lift a finger to save your own? But you say this has no point. Here's two things these traps do. First is, of course, the twist. The guy who doesn't wake up, who we think is killed the first time. Who they'll call Buckethead in the current timeline, I'll call it. Not the guitarist. No. Did this fool either of you? Because the camera does a trick move. You see Buckethead going towards the blades, but there was no gore. Yeah, and I was confused because, so this first test, we'll spell it out for those who may not have seen it. You got a bucket over your head and you're being pulled toward a bunch of saw blades and you have to cut yourself on it. You need to sacrifice some blood and then the blades would stop. What confused me is even though Buckethead or this fifth person who we don't know who it is at this time, they're asleep, they're passed out, they're not waking up. 
I figured once it cuts them, it's supposed to stop. It gets the blood on it. Why would it cut all the way through their head? The blades do stop, I guess, when you get the blood on them, don't they? But my thinking was by the time you got that close, you might be eviscerated anyway. In fact, Carly gets basically the same kind of cuts as Buckethead there, who we later find out is Logan, and I'm surprised she's able to even stand for future tests. I mean, she got some yeah. deep gashes in the back. She's not going to be around much longer, though. But Jigsaw's test said any offering of blood, no matter how small, is enough for the trap. My thinking is those saws are going to cut you deep. I would literally just like, you know how when you do a cholesterol test and they do the <laughs> pinprick of your finger? Yes. I would bite the tip of my finger off and be like, drop of blood, I'm out. <laughs> Everybody's like going up to the saws. Yeah, but you know what, Jigsaw? He's got cameras in there. hes I don't think these are like metal detecting blades. I think someone's got to manually turn them off once they see the blood sacrifice. It's at this point when Buckethead didn't get a gory explosion of guts and everything that I kind of nudged Arnie and I was like... Is this rated R? Yeah, no, I wondered the same thing when I didn't see that gore. And I didn't hear a whole lot of swearing. Like one time, Holleran's like about to say the F word and they cut him off. See, that's the thing I had too is I'm like, wait, I had to mentally count how many times they said that because I'm like, well, you can get one on a PJ-13. I'm pretty sure they said more than one. However, they like had that pocket with all the F-bombs in it tightly closed so they couldn't drop any. I did think that the gore was much lessened in this one. I think it's because it's written from the guy who did Piranha 3D, not an overly gory movie, and some of the gore is there for laughs. I think there's definitely, especially at the end, maybe it's unintentional, but I was laughing at how this movie ended. Oh yeah, there's sometimes I totally cracked up. But because we didn't see it, I just figured it was a concession to not show gore that the camera didn't show us Buckethead cut into pieces. Okay, but the whole point of this genre of movies, the torture porn movies, is you're watching people get tortured and there's blood and there's guts. What's funny is, you know, my wife came with me to see this. She actually brought earplugs just to dampen the sounds of like squishy intestines getting cut up or bones cracking. She doesn't like that. She's like, oh, I didn't even need those. (laughs) See, I think that because, you know, movie tastes sway and supernatural and paranormal things are really in now they're trying to bring back torture porn because what more than 10 years ago we had hostile and all those movies and here now saw is coming out in the age of the conjuring and it's so not bloody and gory i would hesitate to even call this torture porn movie having just revisited the first seven this one other than perhaps the first where the first did have the cutting off of the foot and had some icky moments but they didn't have the money for the gratuitous gore that we have going on in most of the films they had to dig through a shitty toilet for a key that was gross enough for me in that first one <laughs> exactly but the second thing these tests do is these are supposed to be the fun bits this is what people get off on is having these kills every 10 minutes or so it's As formulaic as a Jason or Freddy movie, I mean, over the weekend, because it's the weekend before Halloween, Marjorie and I were just looking for stuff to have on television, and I didn't see any good horror movies on, and so I turned on Pet Cemetery, and I'm like, Pet Cemetery is a good horror movie. 
but it's not a good one to walk in and out of the room of because there's not an action going on every few minutes that you can just look up during. That's a good sit down and watch horror film. It's much better than Friday the 13th Part 2. Yet I finally ended up putting on Friday the 13th Part 2 because at least that was reliable. Every few minutes, something's going to happen. And that's what the traps are to Saw. I think if you enjoy the traps, you enjoy the movie. And I'll say this as I'm sitting here watching, again, it's been seven years since I've seen a Saw film, and I think I only recommended one in three, I believe. They just weren't my thing. But as I'm watching this, I'm like, people's tastes change, being on now playing, you learn to cut some genres, some slack. I'm watching, you know, this whole Saw thing, and then with Carly and the needles. I'm like, I don't know, this is kind of fun. Maybe I was too harsh on those. But then we get to the drama, like they're going to bring in Buckethead, and they're going to show his head cut off, and it's all CSI lighting, which is awful. The whole thing was Saw NCIS. Yeah, and I guess I had forgotten about that part of it, that there was all the cop drama going on, which I just don't have as much fun during. Yeah, I don't enjoy the cop drama, and these cops seem particularly unlikable as a whole, and didn't really care. Well, not that I cared about Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah, and Costas Mandelar, I only remember him because Arnie did that song with his name. Oh my like, god, I- that song! Dear god. <laughs> He's been singing that song for two weeks. But just to go through the traps real quick, did you enjoy any of them? Were they as fun as traps in years prior? Well, let's walk through them. I mean, we get to Carly. They're all being strung up. She's been injected with a poison. There's three needles. One is, what, saline solution. One has an antidote to the poison. And one is hydrofluoric acid. And they all have a number on it. And she has to remember which is the amount that she was willing to snatch a purse over and have this lady die. The fact that you have Ryan just freaks out and sticks her with all three because he doesn't want to die and of course she's going to have that acid eat through her. She needed to grow up. I realized she had four deep cuts in her back and may have been suffering severe blood loss, but the tape comes out and is like one of you is a purse snatcher who caused a person to die. You have poison in you. The others are all like, well, I'm not a purse snatcher. And then somebody finally says, well, if we're injected, let's look. Maybe, maybe Jigsaw's wrong. So people who know they aren't purse snatchers are checking themselves for injections. Yeah. And it goes down to like the usual suspects. The person who's asleep is the guilty one. When Carly isn't checking herself for the needle, obviously she's injected with a poison. She's going to die from poison. Well, the poison seems redundant because she's going to die from hanging first. And so she won't pick a needle, even though we never know for sure, but she stole $3.53. She didn't realize that at the time, but that's all that Asthmatic was carrying. And so if she would have just manned up and injected herself with the 353 needle, she'd have been just fine probably well what's weird here too is it's always been like okay you gotta cut off your finger because i've sewn a key in there and then you can pull out the you always had to sacrifice something the fact that you just got to inject yourself if you know the amount like the one had like a bunch of digits on it there's like no way that's even a dollar it's like 4.1637 i'm like what they got pie going on here (laughs) like that's not even a dollar amount so she wouldn't have lost anything i mean she would have some choke marks on her neck maybe but so did all of them they were all being hung yeah this just made no sense i don't feel it fit in with the other jigsaw traps we've seen in the past and you're, you're right jacob there's usually something horrific you have to do to yourself that is related to your crime like The guy who ogled women and videotaped himself raping them, 
he could save his arms and legs by gouging out his eyes, therefore curing what his problem is. So there's always something tied to what you've done. And this group thing just really felt like a copycat. That's what I was kind of thinking going into this is we know Jigsaw's dead and this is taking place after and little did I know about this flash forward bullcrap. And this is a copycat. Because it just doesn't fit in with what Jigsaw was doing with his... He's almost kind of like a good Samaritan trying to help people find the right path in life. And you're just a little maimed when he's done with you. Well, and the fact that this whole Jigsaw thing is going to be thrown off the track after Carly dies. They go into a room. You know, they're in this room. Do not exit through here. So, of course, Ryan tries to exit. And there's a whole trap to stop him from that. And I feel like that throws everything off. Like, we're going to get a silo, like the funniest scene in this film. Like It's the climax of Witness, right? I, uh, I'd have to go back and watch it. The fact that hammers and sickles are dropping on people stuck in a silo. I'm just laughing. I'm like, is this Looney Tunes now? But yeah, Ryan's going to throw the whole thing off track because he's going to try to go through the do not exit. This does look painful. I mean, this did kind of freak me out. He steps through the floorboards and there's all those wires there tightening around it ready to sever his leg off. Jigsaw must have gotten better at his traps is the only thing I can think. But this was his first one though, right? Supposedly? Right. That's why I say he got better in future ones. Oh, okay, future. Because this one, he had to be sitting there manually doing everything. Oh, this person spilled blood. Let me hit the kill switch on the buzzsaw. Later on, he's going to know that it was Ryan who fell in and got his leg trapped. Because later it's going to be like, Ryan can save your life by pulling the lever. I don't care how much John Kramer knows human nature, he's not going to know which one fell into the leg trap. And yet he has a plan for everything. He's got this leg trap, and then if you take too long to get out of the leg trap, he's going to get people in the silo, so he can use them as leverage to make you pull the lever. Like, he's got a plan for everything. It's ridiculous. He's the Joker in The Dark Knight. He's the character in Skyfall, Harvey <laughs> Bardem's character, like just pre-knowledge of everything. In proof of that, nobody dies in the grain elevator. They all make it off, although Ryan loses his leg, and they go to this spiral of doom that is made just for Mitch. Mitch sold the bike. There's a tape there with the name Mitch on it. And notice these are all micro cassettes here. Yeah, I did notice that. I'm like, man, they really stocked up, but this is 10 years <laughs> after Jigsaw died. But yeah, that Mitch one, it's because the tractor turns the lights on that draws Mitch to it. So again, I think Jigsaw might have had plans to draw each person to their own special trap, but Ryan threw it all off by trying to go through the non-exit. Well, what if Mitch had died in the first one? What if he hadn't made it that far? <laughs> well, he wouldn't have turned the tractor lights on then. They wouldn't have needed that motorcycle trap. <laughs> but then he would have built this entire motorcycle trap for nothing. Hey, we got a character that builds it for no reason later. But in the parallel story, we did see this trap, and we were told that it had never been seen, but it was Jigsaw's first trap. And this is when I lean over to Marjorie and go, all of these deaths are happening 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as soon as I saw the motorcycle trap, I'm like, well, you gave it away. We're replaying part two. That was the twist of part two, is we thought Donnie Wahlberg's son was in the house with the poison at the same time, and then when the SWAT team raided the house they were just watching 
VHS tapes. Yeah, and I didn't even really understand this motorcycle trap. It's got the actual motorcycle that Mitch sold to Jigsaw's nephew, and it's he goes down into this cone, and he's got to reach in there and pull the brake on it. I guess it, as you get lower, it cuts you up more. But again, it seems like if you just reach down in there and grab that brake, you're cool. Yeah, I don't quite understand that one either, and it seems like it's really elaborate for what it needs to do, and you could have accomplished this with something much simpler that... He already had or had designed, because I guess it's just when it spins really fast, are those blades in there? What's going on with that? Yeah, I took it as its blades, because he's going to be sliced up, or we're going to see, I guess, whoever in the future died in that trap is going to be all sliced up later. You say that it's over-extravagant, but I think that's Jigsaw's tool of the trade. Okay, but this one required this kid somehow to get his feet in this holster the motorcycle turned on and then lower the kid in it so he can get the brake. I mean, it just seems like way too much is going on with this one. I was just shocked that Anna was able to climb up there and temporarily stop it. She sticks like a rebar pipe through the spokes to stop it temporarily from spinning. Jigsaw, he cleaned up his act in the next 10 years. He would never let someone get away with that. Mm-mm. But that's the end of the traps, right? I mean, eventually they just stay there. Ryan, who is my favorite of these bland people. Yes. I agree. Ryan has a sense of humor to him. He seemed like a knockoff Danny McBride, whoever this TV actor was. Yeah, I agree. I could see that kind of vibe coming from him, but he always got the funny lines. When Billy showed up, he's like, oh, that's not creepy at all. And turning around and flipping off Anna and Mitch as they're in the grain bin. Of all of them, I liked Ryan. And did he deserve to be there? He was drunk in high school and stupidly caused a car crash? If Jigsaw's going after everyone who did something stupid in high school, I need to watch my back. Yeah, it seems like he was riding out of the back of a sunroof or something and fell out in a car crash. That wasn't very clear. It doesn't seem like he was necessarily at fault there, but maybe he didn't say anything and that's his problem. I mean, it looked like they couldn't survive it regardless as if he went to the authorities or not. Right. He blamed it on the driver instead of taking responsibility for drunkenly hanging out. It was a convertible and he caused the driver's parents pain. Well, the driver's parents are going to have pain because their son is dead. Mm -hmm. And how does Jigsaw know? This happened like 15 years ago. It happened so long ago they had to get a different actor as Ryan. And Very much seems like it was revenge fantasies and not making people appreciate life. Yeah, and I get that this was Jigsaw's first time out, but I guess we could ask the same question about part three. How does he know about the drunk driver who killed the dead son and the the parents are in anguish? But later, I could retcon all of that as Detective Hoffman had access to police files of people who were wronged. But this, there's no Detective Hoffman at this point. This is the very first... How does Jigsaw know what this guy did 15 years ago? And then he just vaguely says, and you've done more since. Yeah, we never find that out. And once the Mitch test is over, there's no more traps. There's nowhere else for them to go. Anna eventually goes back to that known exit door because she has no place else to go. He did not build enough traps. And in fact, she's supposed to do that because I guess John Kramer or somebody in a pig mask is waiting there to inject her. Okay, and here's what I thought was going to be really cool. Because, yeah, she gets drugged and we see Ryan and Anna. They're chained around their ankle, just like that first saw and. Tobin Bell Jigsaw is there, and he gives him a shotgun. I'm like, oh, they're going to have to, like, blow off their ankle. That's, like, the trick to this one. They are going to do a throwback to that original Saw. That's not where it goes, though. This whole ending, I was disappointed. I have a lot of questions, and maybe it's because I don't know a lot about guns. But 
You can pack a shotgun shell with whatever you want. Yeah. Including keys, I guess. Yeah, wouldn't it just obliterate the keys anyway? There's no escape, right? Regardless of how they shot this or who shot who or... Because it exploded back into her face. But even once that gun was shot, regardless of where that bullet went, those keys would have been obliterated anyway, right? Well, that's the point. Salvation is inside. Or something like that, that Jigsaw says. The whole point was they would have had to figure out that they got to pull the shotgun shell out, open it up, and they'd find the keys. Which, again, he did something like that in that first Saw film where he saw the keys go down the drain in the bathtub. So, like, he did give them the keys so they could get out easily, but because they think they got to shoot each other... It all goes wrong. Yeah, whoever pulls the trigger is going to die. And so the trick is to not pull the trigger. That's how you get out of this trap. But because she does pull the trigger, his key's obliterated. So he's going to bleed out and she's going to be killed by the gunshot. And when Jigsaw unmasks himself, and I wasn't positive it was 10 years earlier, I went, twin brother. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, because throughout they've been giving us hints, oh, that voice print matches exactly and this is his blood look the dna like they overlap those x dna charts and they're exactly the same yeah the voice was john kramer's voice not costas mandalore's and the (laughs) voice and the blood under the fingernails was the blood of john kramer so how could this be so let's jump to the future and look at our four investigators we have halloran the corrupt cop and his partner hunt who were introduced in that very first scene because Munson insists Halloran show up. He's not going to surrender until he gets to talk to Halloran because he's Halloran's informant. But working with them are, yeah, the medical examiners, Logan and Eleanor. Do you usually have your go-to medical examiner that even when it's his day off and he's playing ball with his girl, you're going to track him down to the playground and pull him in to look at this guy with a decapitated head? I'd be ticked if that were me. Yeah, it's your day off. Leave me alone. What if he put in vacation time and he had that plan for like months? I'd be really upset. I would hope he had to have a better vacation day than that. Sometimes you just got to take a day off for yourself. Staycation. (laughs) And there's this red herring, I guess, that... Keith and Logan served together in Fallujah, and that Logan was captured and tortured and had to spend time in a VA hospital. Yeah, which explains why he has a bunch of scars on his back that we'll see at one point. Look, here's the thing. Halloran, he's just too corrupt to expect to be the bad guy. And Eleanor, it's just too obvious. I'm like, oh, it's Logan. He's the new Jigsaw. It's obvious. But what did throw me off a little bit was that I thought he was lying about being in the military. But we do see Halloran look him up. He finds, I guess, some fake database that they made. I can't (laughs) imagine that's real, where it says he did serve time in the military. Well, see, and I was kind of leaning towards Eleanor. Because they tracked your Darknet IP? It can't happen. That's the whole point of the Darknet. You go on your tour browser so it can't be tracked i know i explained that to arnie i was like that's not how the dark web works arnie that's not how any of this works oh that the fact that they're like we found a hidden website i'm like what they spelled jigsaw backwards how do you hide a website unless it's on the dark net and then they drop that later but you can't at least hollering can't track maybe the fbi the cia can track your ip but not some low-level cop like this (laughs) it would take a lot longer to do and You say you figured out it was Logan. Here's my problem entirely is maybe you figured out it was Logan because Logan's in the movie. But if you're Halloran and Hunt, wouldn't you think that the suspect is somebody not in your office? Yeah, I don't know why they, I mean, they're saying this is 10 years after Jigsaw. I figure, oh yeah, there are 
Jigsaw fan sites. I thought that was a thing in like the other films or one of them maybe that there was this cult of Jigsaw where people were just into the torture stuff and they weren't affiliated with him. But just like any serial killer, they have their fans. Manson has his fans. So I don't know why that would make Eleanor suspect. Eleanor's kind of cool in that she's got tattoos and she's into the Jigsaw stuff. She's a Jigsaw fangirl. But then maybe it's just because of the month this movie came out in with, again, Harvey Weinstein and Harry Knowles and everything. But when Halloran's like, you one of those kinky types, like a little pain, I'm like, that right there's a lawsuit, mister. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but Halloran's a bad guy. We know that just the way he acts. Again, I don't know who this actor is. I saw he's done some TV. I, again, yeah, he was in Memento. Don't remember what he did in that film. But he seems like a bad guy. He seemed, I remember Costas Mandelar being that way. He was like that corrupt cop. But yeah, it's, what is weird is Eleanor has a whole studio. Like, she's like, you want to see my studio? I'm like, oh, she's an artist. She's painting on the side. But no, she's like building the trap. See, I was kind of hoping and maybe wishing for a cult of Jigsaw that were carrying on his tradition. That's why I thought this was going. Kind of like, you know, there's still, like you said, the Manson family fans. There's people who are devoted to the Manson family and want to carry on Manson's goal, however crazy it is. And Jigsaw with his salvation edge kind of seems like that would be right for that. Yeah, I can't imagine why that wouldn't be a great way to go. I think that that would have been perfect is to have her not part of it, but able to lead them to it. My thinking is, if there's a crime, the people in your department just aren't the first people you look at. They're the people who you're investigating with. I don't watch a lot of CSI. I don't watch a lot of NCIS. But I would bet in very few episodes is a member of the CSI team actually the killer. Yeah, and those dimly lit labs, it's usually not, the, you know, who's checking the blood or the DNA. That's the killer. The fact that Halloran just jumps to looking at the MEs there is already like, are you not really trying to solve this case? That seems the most unlikely. And the fact that you picked up on it, Jacob, is I think only because he's in the movie and he's focused on. And when I think that if you look at the very first movie, when the guy from Lost and Danny Glover were investigating Jigsaw, it wasn't a cop, nor was it one of the guys in the trap. It was a deranged killer. If you're starting over, if this is Jigsaw 1 and not Saw 9, I think that the killer should have been somebody we meet along the way as a bad guy. I don't even know if it makes sense that Logan did this. Jumping ahead a little bit. I mean, they're going to dig up Jigsaw's body... And they're going to find Munson's body in there. So somehow Logan had to dig up a grave, take the body out, put this new body from a guy who he just killed who was in a coma in a hospital in the grave, bury it, make sure that dirt is compact. That the Put some sod down, fertilize. Yes, that's a lot of work. I don't know when he had time to do that. It doesn't even make sense. I know there's a twist coming and he's my suspect. But yeah, if I'm going on like a detective, Sherlock Holmes, there's no clues here. Like there's nothing to tell me that he would have actually been able to do this no and that is my big problem here is that i watched it twice to see if there's anything we could work out but there's no way to know these bodies that are found buckethead was not the guy who we saw in that trap the second body was not carly but i paid close attention they never say the victim's name of who died of hydrofluoric acid and the third body is again not named, so we never know it's not Keith, even though this body is found in Eleanor's 
workshop, which... Yeah, that Logan had to know about and had to go plan a body and rig it so when the door was open, it would fall down. When did he have time to do all this? Was he following Eleanor around so he already knew she had a studio? No, I think it's when she showed him the studio. He's like, well, this is a good place for body number three. Let me go get it. But what really pissed me off and ended up with a who's on first conversation when Marjorie and I left the theater. Yeah, this was fun because you just did, you totally didn't get what I was saying. While all this is going on, Logan has his own tests going on, mirroring Jigsaw's firsts, but there's only three people. And it was confusing because when Logan and Ellie get to the barn, there's fresh blood. That is what threw me off. It couldn't be 10 years ago. That's when I was like, twin brother? Because if there's fresh blood, then it wasn't old. But he's only testing three people. They all just happen to die like the first three of the first time. <laughs> and we never see the traps. We never see them except for a blink and you miss it flashback of Logan putting the buckets on their head. Yeah, we never know who the three are, what their sins are. Well, they're all tied up with Halloran. That's what because as yes. they find the bodies, everybody's from one of Halloran's cases. But I don't know why he used the same traps unless that's all he had access to. Because this movie's bullshit and they wanted to trick us. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> that is the only reason. Yeah. And le- I don't know, because maybe this is Logan's first time and you never forget your first, so he's doing what was done to him. My point was, back when they discovered who Jigsaw was in whatever movie, I don't know, two maybe? One, really. One, when they forget who he was, the police... And they were investigating all these different ties. Don't you think that they would have found a barn in his wife's family at some point along all this investigation and investigated every single aspect of this guy's life? This movie answers the question we never wanted answered. Where did all those pig carcasses come from? (laughs) I was thinking that. I'm like, well, now we know where the pigs came from. But you're right. I said it in one of those old Saw episodes. These films feel like college freshman creative writing students writing these scripts. Like, look how clever this twist is. I feel like that's here, too. It doesn't make sense when you try to talk your way through it. It doesn't make sense when I'm sitting there watching it. That, too. When it finally comes down at the barn, they just completely screw Hunt. Hunt's left at Halloran's house, like, find them! Find them! And we don't see him again. Good news, Keith. You come back for the sequel, I guess. And Halloran goes to the barn where... Somehow Ellie convinced Logan, we're two medical examiners. I have a gun. Let's go to the barn alone, because that's the smart thing to do. Yeah, that, again, made no sense. I'm pretty sure they don't issue medical examiners firearms. Well, I think she probably just bought it on her own. She's got a permit. On the dark web. (laughs) On the the dark web. They've traced her IP now, though. They know who sold it. (laughs) That's how they busted Silk Road. It was because of Eleanor. That's because she went to (laughs) snug.com. But she ends up running off, and it's Logan versus Halloran. And we're told she's the perfect alibi for some reason I still don't understand. Yeah! I guess because Halloran takes Logan hostage to get the her to drop the gun, so that just plays into him being the jigsaw killer. Or, I mean, at the end, Nelson's like, maybe they'll think it's John Kramer back to life, because we saw he pulled some of the blood from storage. I don't know how in previous Saw movies they're like, these are fingerprints from a dead hand. But nobody's like, this is John Kramer's blood, but it's been dead for years. But yeah, I don't know how she's an alibi, but it ends up Logan and Halloran are in the final trap together with laser cutters. 
We saw that earlier, and I laughed. They, that's how they cut off Bucket's head. Bucket, they, I'm like, what, they got lasers in this now that they're just, like, slicing through metal? This is crazy. I looked this up because I've, I didn't want to be silly here and have listeners make fun of us if this technology is <laughs> far more advanced than I thought. I mean, I have stuff that I bought that says laser cut precision, so there are laser cutters, but I looked... A laser cutter is about the size of a trailer from a semi-truck. Yeah, they're very big. They're not like laser pointers that you can put on a neck collar. Again, I think this is kind of cool. They got these lasers and they're like inching closer to their face until they confess. I don't know about these writers. I don't know if they're Catholic. There's a lot of stuff about confession. It's not like tear into your flesh and pull out a key. It's just confess. Just say what you did wrong and we'll turn the trap off. But that never actually happens. Everybody finally confesses their sin and they all still die. Yeah, but I, I like these lasers. But look, when Logan, when he's like, let's check this body for the bullet, they dig up Munson's body and they go to pull out the bullet and they're like, only Holleran uses, I don't know, a 17 or whatever, whatever gun he uses. Of course, he's the only cop that uses a different gun. I'm like, he's switching the fucking bullet. This is a tell. I caught it on the second viewing. The bullet he pulls out of the body is a giant, like, pointy bullet like a sniper rifle would have and when he turns back around it's a tiny bullet so yeah did, did we mention that logan sniped well i guess it makes sense he was in the military but he was a medic in the military do they teach them how to use guns they carry a firearm i do know that the medics carry firearms and i'm sure they're trained on how to use them but sniping but i don't think they're snipers <laughs> yeah he's got a full-on, like, military-grade sniper rifle on another building to shoot Munson when they all go to blow his hand off. He's lucky they actually pulled him in on his day off, because otherwise, a real medical examiner would have been like, well, who had the sniper rifle trained on Munson? (laughs) That's why he needed the day off, because he had to kill Munson. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, these lasers, they're moving in. What tells me, this was the second tell. I knew he switched the bullet. I knew it's Logan. But the fact that these lasers go and hit his head, we see some blood, but I'm like, his head should be like all cut up and it's not cut up. He just, some blood comes out and he drops dead, but I don't buy it. I was the exact same way. I'm like, his head should be sliced and diced. The fact that just some blood came out around the neck, either he was faking or I was going to bitch for five more minutes on this podcast about how that was not a good death. (laughs) Yes. But we do see it with Holleran. It doesn't matter how much he confesses, what a crooked cop he is, because, what, he beat up a criminal that got let go and ends up killing Logan's wife? Munson. Oh, Munson was the one. Okay. But Halloran says it was never proven. So Munson maybe killed Logan's wife. Maybe. And it happened years ago. <laughs> Two years, I think they said. And because of that, Logan, because it's... Halloran's informant, he's protected from prosecution, or Halloran didn't really look into the case too much. And there's many cases where Halloran didn't look into it. There's the case of Buckethead, we find out, was a guy who was a victim in one of Halloran's cases. He owed money to the mob. The mob came and killed Buckethead's family in front of him, and Buckethead is now killed by the jigsaw trap set by Logan, and Logan asks Halloran, did you do much investigating into who those mobsters were? So we just find Halloran drops the ball time and time again, and so because Logan thinks Munson killed his wife, we're going to get (laughs) Halloran's head sliced by lasers 
in a way that ends up looking more Little Shop of Horrors than anything. <laughs> yeah. He made a starfish. Yeah. yeah. No, I did like this. Like, I laughed because it's kind of silly, but I did like the way his face peeled because that's how it should have looked when Logan died if that, those were real lasers. Except your bone isn't going to bend. I think what Oh, would that's happen- true. I did not think about that. <laughs> yes. The, the skull should have fallen to pieces and then the, yeah, the flesh can peel out. Yeah. So the fact that the skull just bent open like the petals of a flower. Uh, I, I thought it looked cool, but you are right. If you want to get anatomically correct with these films, it is silly. <laughs> That was all I could think of is that's not what skulls do. <laughs> that That is a sign that the movie is failing. <laughs> it is exactly the case. There's so many commentaries I've heard that say if people are picking this out, then they're not going along with the movie and the movie has a much bigger problem. It has a big problem. We know this. Yeah, here's the problem. They can't pull this trick again. They can't do Jigsaw 2 and trick us with Tobin Bell coming back, unless he's actually coming back somehow. They can't do the flashback. And does anyone care about this actor who plays Logan? I kept calling him Thick Jeremy Renner. It's <laughs> just looked like a thicker version of him. Like, th- does anyone care about him coming back and being Jigsaw? It's true. Think about it. Oh, no, it's very true. Matt Passmore, who was in that TV show, The Glades, and a lot of television that I didn't watch. I guess he was on Last Man Standing for its first season, the Tim Allen show. But no, I only want to see him come back if it's going to explain if he was the first apprentice before Amanda, before Carrie Elways, before Costas Mandalore, before... Jigsaw's wife. I want to see the movie where the six of them get together for Thanksgiving. (laughs) It sounds like a Texas Chainsaw crossover. (laughs) Let's get together for a big meal. Yeah, torture a lot of people. Well, Jacob Marjorie, the truth will set you free. Recommend or not recommend. Make your choice. Jacob. Going into this one, because I didn't go back and watch the other Saw films, which again, I recommended two of them and they weren't strong appraisals of those films they're like yeah yeah they're all right i kind of enjoyed this at the beginning i'm like oh this is fun the torture stuff maybe i was too hard on those other ones i'm kind of enjoying just the trashiness of this and then they bring in the csi and the cop drama and the bad acting all the acting here just awful and i'm just like this isn't as fun oh and i see the twist here they come now i remember why i only recommended two of them and The other weird thing is not everything has to be relevant, but I feel like seven years after the last one, this film is kind of timeless in that this could have come out six years ago. This could have come out last year. It could come out now. It doesn't feel like there's a time period, which I guess is helpful if it's sitting on a VHS shelf somewhere in a blockbuster that doesn't exist anymore and you're a teenager and you're just grabbing horror films but at this point the horror films I'm watching like Get Out which we reviewed which is very timely watching something like this it feels hollow it's like okay they're just doing what they did in the previous seven and it's not very good and there's a stupid twist because they wanted to have Tobin Bell in this and it doesn't make any sense and it's a not recommend is what I'm saying Marjorie wow okay so you know, we were watched all of these movies leading up to this thinking that somehow this was going to be intertwined. And I made the joke that when Costas Mandalore descended on the floor in his glass coffin and pulled the Superman trick, that that was when the series jumped the shark. I take that back because I don't know what the hell I just watched. <laughs> it wasn't very good. It was not the same movie franchise I had been seeing for the last number of years and seen, what, seven of them? 
So the one through seven. Yeah, they were kind of weak towards the end, but they weren't this. This is like they decided to remake it, sanitize it. Maybe these guys, these German guys, think Americans are really into the CSI stuff and decided to put it in a horror movie. Well, there are like 18 CSI shows, so America That's, is. I've never seen one. Isn't that awful? No, it's because you're not over 60. Oh. Sorry, over 60-year-old listeners. <laughs> Oops. I was disappointed in the motive, the traps, everything, and I'm not going to recommend this movie. I think you should just keep your Saw fandom pristine with one through seven, and just don't even bother. Maybe not even bother with seven. Okay, yeah, I'm being generous. (laughs) Even seven, though, didn't they have like a Nazi glued to a seat in a car? Like, there was always trashiness that I enjoyed in those other films. Yeah, the, the white supremacist skinheads in the car. Yeah, like, I mean, still, the scene with the girl being thrown in the pit of hypodermic needles. I I will never forget that. That is chilling. But that was my point, is you want things that are going to, st- and I'm not making a pun here, stick, stick. with you. <laughs> <laughs> the one I always remember is Back to the Pigs, where the pigs are going through the meat grinder, and, like, the goo is on that guy's face, and the other guy's got to get him out of there. But stuff like that, it's just to make you uncomfortable and squeamish and a little disturbed, and this movie had none of that, except that I was in the theater watching it. <laughs> Yeah, I think rewatching all seven films leading up to the new one was a mistake. It was. I could agree with that. <laughs> Not only because it was a lot of time and I don't enjoy a couple of them, but I was happy to re-listen to our old shows and be like, I agree with myself. I found part six to be rather fun. And I sat there like, was I too hard on this series before? And then I re-listened. No, I, I agree with me still. But seeing this one after the first seven makes me realize that it comes across like a pale imitator. It feels to the Saw series what Costas Mandalore was to Tobin Bell. (laughs) You aren't Jigsaw, bitch, is what he tells Amanda. You aren't Jigsaw, bitch, is what I tell this TV actor, thick Jeremy Runner. (laughs) Yeah, no, this feels like the TV version of a movie franchise. Seriously, I mean, they took Hannibal to television. If you took Jigsaw to television, this is what I would expect with this level of gore, this level of acting. I don't think all the actors are bad. There's a few I like. I already mentioned that I liked Ryan's performance, Paul Bronstein. I don't know him from anything, but he was amusing. I actually really like Hannah Emily Anderson as Eleanor Bonneville, the jigsaw fangirl i thought she gave a good performance but by and large the performances were poor to bad the twists make no sense and if we waited seven years to bring saw back for this they should have waited another year and made a good one or another seven and just reboot it finally yeah this is a pretty strong not recommend from me i didn't enjoy the traps on a visceral level and everything involving the police and the twists just made my mind hurt it actually makes me think Shalaman couldn't do it worse. <laughs> One day we'll find out, I suspect. Yeah, Stuart has his way. But that is it for Saw. There are no announcements about them already working on number nine for next year. But I gotta give it this. They have had more installments in such a short time than most franchises. I mean, it took Jason 14 years to get to nine. Yeah, we were, we're doing... For Donation, Phantasm, and Hellraiser. Those took 30 years to get all their sequels out. Maybe in the next one, Jigsaw goes to space. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's the only Friday the 13th I've seen, and I love it. Maybe Jigsaw, he's got the laser cutters. Now he's going to be on the International Space Station. (laughs) But 
I do want to remind listeners about some of our other shows we have coming up. First of all, our patrons. I want to give a shout out to our Podbean patrons, the ones over $50 or more. Kay Gwilyu, if I mispronounced that, and I probably did, I'm sorry. Scott J. Berland, The Dolan, J. Bell 49er, VRMN, Bowerman, Sphinctac, Anakin Flair, Zach BVGF, and Marup, D. Peters VS, Arlor Becky, and N. J. L. Thomas. Thank you all. You are the top of the top, our Podbean backers, and we greatly, greatly appreciate it. Yeah, it takes much more than $3.53 to do this show every week. So thank you to all those donors. And yeah, patrons, if you're at the right level, yeah, Lego Batman. The, some people say, what, this is the best one? I, I find it hard to believe, but we'll find out. Best Lego movie or best Batman movie? <laughs> I've heard people say best Batman. Best Lego, I can believe that. And we're going to be releasing that in the week leading up to Justice League, which we'll be covering in just a couple weeks. But next week, first we have Thor. I have our tickets. We're going to the fan event Thursday night at 6 p.m. So I don't know exactly what that is other than I get a silver coin. Hopefully you don't have to watch the previous two. I like the first one. The second one I gave a pass to, but kind of regret it. Yeah, you know what? I'm taking the family to this one, the wife and the kids, because it kind of has got a Guardians of the Galaxy vibe, and that's their favorite Marvel movie. So they're excited for this one. I think that that was intentional, what Marvel did. And it's got me excited, too. It definitely looks like a Thor movie I can recommend. Looks like a Hulk movie I can recommend. (laughs) (laughs) And then, since today is Halloween, let's keep in mind horror films. Last Friday... Brock came back to the show for Cult of Chucky with Stuart and I, and that review went out. There's been a lot of questions, but if you donated for Child's Play, our first donation drive in 2010 or in 2013 or through Kickstarter, or if you got the fifth anniversary DVD, if you're in any of those four categories, we sent information over the summer on how to get this next show. If you don't have it, email us, but no further donation is needed. Because we want to take care of our donors. You donors have taken care of us for 10 years. And we want to take care of you. So it's been kind of our policy. If we add to an installment. We did it earlier this year with Planet of the Apes and Alien. And now with Chucky. If we add to an installment, you get it with no new donation. But if you didn't donate any of those times. You can go to the playing level of our current donation drive. Here are all seven Child's Play reviews and all five Phantasm reviews. Those are immediately available. And then starting this Friday, we embark on a journey to hell with Hellraiser. And I could not be more excited. I'm a pretty big fan of that franchise. I released a Books and Nachos yesterday reviewing the novella The Hellbound Heart that you can listen leading up to that review. And I hope you can join us because I think that's going to be a great retrospective. So we'll be back next week with Thor. And thanks for playing the game. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Now Playing Saw Movie Retrospective. Congratulations. You are still alive. Please leave a review for us on iTunes or post about us on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media channel of choice. You can find more Now Playing Retrospective series at our website, 
nowplayingpodcast.com. Series include Halloween, Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Child's Play, Phantasm, and others. This is the most fun I've had without lubricant. The Saw films, all audio clips and music used, are the property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion picture reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. The trademarks Now Playing and Now Playing Podcast are the exclusive property of Venganza Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2017, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Really? Do you only celebrate Saw every seven years? <laughs> <laughs> you mean Halloween? Halloween, what did I say? Saw. Oh, so, yeah. You only... Marjorie, I'll need you to be my steward and go boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Jacob can do it. I don't know how to do it. Me how either. How do it? Boop, beep, 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 boop, beep. <laughs> I, I have a whole new respect for Stuart being able to do that. <laughs> oh. I did not prepare my lungs for that tonight. <laughs> it's like the old Saw film where you're the smoker and have to see if yes. you can hold your breath as long as the insurance agent. Oh, wait, is it Mandela or Melinda? It's not Mandela. That's the South African guy. Right, I thought jail. he might have named his kid after well, Mandela. What's it spelled like? It is Mandela. I oh, put in my Mandela? notes, Melin- Melinda. Melinda. Oh. He can be whatever he wants to <laughs> He's be. He's Mandela Van Peebles. Well, uh, I'll tell you why. Because reserved seats. <laughs> I had reserved seats, and they reclined, too. Oh, man. See, we're missing out. The, the IMAX theater seats do not recline, which is why I try to actually avoid it. But we have reserved seats, which is big for us. That's- yes. No, I like reserved seating. <laughs> I guess he was on Last Man Standing for its first season, the Tim Allen show. He's a comedian? Oh, the oh, okay. I'm just thinking Last Comic Standing. Yeah, the Tim Allen. Even worse. Full. Well, if it's sitting on a VHL, a VHL, <laughs> a, a, a VH. Sphinctac. Careful with that one. Sphinctastic. And then staged it so it looked like an accident caused by her husband. What is it for moms killing their babies? First cult of Chucky, now this. Crossover. <laughs> Better than Medea and Jigsaw. <laughs> Both have puppets. <laughs> Medea's got a puppet? No, no Billy the puppet. Oh, Chucky. Okay, I was like, wait a second. You blew my mind thinking Medea. Medea was- might. I've never seen any of them. I, don't, I haven't either. <laughs> All we need then is that ventriloquist dude with peanut. Jeff, Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham. Yeah.